Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So everything that people tell you about repeatedly about being a parent, raising a child and having a tween is true. I mean, not everything. I have the most delightful, sweet, pleasant, good person tween that I've ever met. She's like an alien. We all think she's an alien. Everyone thinks she's an alien. She's just a delight. It might be growing up in a house with me and I'm very strict and I do not negotiate with terrorists. It might just be she was born this way. she's just a delight. But when they say the time flies, you can't get it back. It goes so quickly. You see car commercials. The father sees the little girl and then all of a sudden she's 20 and she's got a brand new Nissan Sentra. Like it's true. It goes so quickly. And there's a point where you still think your child is a baby. And it it probably is like around nine because they're still cute and little and like need you and you're still telling them kind of what they wanted, what, what you want them to do, what they're going to do, et cetera. I mean, they're a person. They can talk to you and be part of the decision. But then they really, the tween thing, 
they turn into like a person and their legs look so long and their bodies look normal. Like they're people, they're not babies. And it's really weird. And it's creepy because you're like picking up this, this being that is, you could almost share clothes with and it's like freaky. And so when they say it goes so quickly, I am so grateful and happy that no matter how hard I work on business and philanthropy, and it's really hard that I'm so glad that I didn't have childcare or, um, I had a baby nurse, but I didn't have a nanny and I don't really have childcare and I don't have babysitters. I'm with my kid all the time. It's for me, it's work kid relationship rotate and philanthropy too. Um, I just live for her, but I'm so glad I've put so much into it because I feel like I get so much out, but it does go so quickly. So even if your kids are older and it's been amazing during the pandemic to really just have that extra time. And some people want to get their kids the hell out of the house because they're pains in the asses, but you just will never get the time back. And I just have always just been able to really see that and experience that in the moment. But another thing, if you're going through any kind of divorce and you worry about time and custody and all this stuff, your kid at certain age really does decide who they are and what they want and what they think. And it comes more quickly than you would imagine. And um, what's more important than, you know, the amount of time and arguing over things that don't matter is really connecting, communicating with your kids, giving them a safe place to talk to you about relationships and about um, puberty and about if you have divorce, if you're from a divorced family, like what goes on, you know, in a divorce and you got to talk to them. People like make these taboo topics and being able to talk to your kids about uh, therapy or um, what their little hearts feel, missing someone, adolescence, like, you know, if they have little crushes, are they real? Do you, can you go back and remember when you were that age and how you felt? Like all that stuff is really, really important stuff. And so while it's important to take care of our kids when they're young babies, it's really when they get to be tweens that you really start emotionally taking care of them. You're not just physically taking care of them and making sure they're safe. You have to watch the signs and see the cues when you have to be emotionally connecting with them and emotionally taking care of them. It's equally as important as physically taking care of them. And then, you know, they start to realize, you know, if you snap at them or you're in a mood or something, they feel the way you feel. And you can't just like snap and be like, put that down. You know, like when they're a little kid, that might hurt their feelings as they get older and they they, and they also start to mimic you and they start to listen more to everything you're saying, whether it's about your weight or gossiping a lot on the phone or being on the phone all day or buying or spending or wasting or anything. They just are little sponges and they were spongy when they're babies, but they don't talk about them being so spongy when they're tweens. And this is when they really, you know, can become you or rebel against who you are. So you just have to really pay attention to how you're communicating with your kids and, what the messaging is emotionally, physically, by example, I just think it's really, really important. And what you put in is what you get out. And you'll see that. And sometimes you feel like you're behind the eight ball and you can always course correct. So don't feel frustrated if you feel like you haven't been spending enough time on that, you know, as much as other things. Sometimes we let the muscle get weak. You're on the phone a lot, you're shopping online, you're like not present, you're with your kids, but you're not really with them. Then it's been several hours and you think to yourself, you haven't really had that connected one-on-one -on -one time. They're running around, they're with their, their friends. It gets by you and you have to sort of work on it. I think I do really work on it. It's something I really pay a tremendous amount of attention to. 
uh, more than anything else. And I'm proud of that. And it does mean something to me. So what do you think? What's your uh, connection level to your kids? And, oh, that's what I meant. If your kids are getting a little out of out of control or you feel like you aren't driving. Um, I trained my dogs to not pee on rugs and like corners of surfaces after five years of age. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I just did it with two dogs. So you can retrain your kids too. My guest today is Stacy Madison. She is the founder of Stacy's Pita Chips, which she sold to Pepsi in 2006 for a reported $250 million in 2006. Her latest venture is Be Bold Bars, a delicious nut butter bar with high-end quality ingredients. And we are going to talk about using no as your motivation to forge forward, the importance of lack of waste in your business, and how it can launch innovation. Why bold doesn't always mean being fearless and how you can always use your varied work background in your current business. Doesn't matter where you came from, use whatever got you here in your next venture. As you know, I talk all about Stacey's ingenuity and starting Stacey's pita chips all the time. And it was amazing to have her on the show and get to have this conversation. She is down to earth. She is all of you. She is a mom living in the suburbs, so if she could do it, so can you, and I think you're going to love our discussion. Hi. Hi. Do you know um, that I talk about you sometimes? Have you heard your name? I didn't know that. I can't believe that either. (laughs) Okay, so I don't know your story, but the reason I wanted to talk to you is because, so there are certain people that I'll mention sometimes, like I'll use Michael Phelps in an analogy about hitting the wall uh, in front of you, not looking left or right. Now, I don't know him and I don't know that much about him, but I'll just mention him. And so sometimes I'll say to people, um, you never know what it's going to be, what's going to hit. And only because I peripherally heard what I think is your story. This is what I say. It could be half true. Stacy's Pita Store started as a sandwich store and she used the leftover pita to make chips and she sold it for like $60 million. So I say that to people, meaning don't be so focused on this one thing. You don't know what's going to pop. You could have 20 SKUs and it could be one thing that you never expected. So that's my perception of that experience. Yeah, I mean, that is true with the exception of the our sales were at 60 million when we sold. Oh, okay, got it. But that is all the rest is right. I have been a natural food chef since uh, 2000. And you, like myself, were doing this long before it was like, cool, you know, before it was plant based chefs, and everyone was vegan, and everything was oat milk that this was back back, you know, 20 years ago, this was not the conversation. Yeah, They called us the tree huggers. Exactly. So where you grew up in Massachusetts, tell me how you grew up and what money was in your household and what work ethic was and where this all started. I grew up, my dad was a psychologist. My mom was a teacher. Um, we lived in upstate New York until I was, um, like until I, we moved here when we moved to Massachusetts in 79, when I was a freshman in high school. And, you know, I was here for four years and then I went to UMass and then I went out to Cal State and um, I got my degree in social work. And then I came back and I lived and I worked down in D.C. and then back out in California and then like Hawaii. And I bounced around a lot before landing back here. 
But financially, did you have a work ethic as a kid? Did your parents say you must work? You have to have a summer job. Did you look at rich people around you and say, I want that? What what were your goals and what was your relationship with money? You want to be rich. You want to be successful. You don't care about money. That kind of thing. I always worked in the summers. I always worked all through college. I had some great jobs. I had some terrible jobs. (laughs) And um yeah. And so it was, it's kind of like, it wasn't something like a, you must work kind of thing. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, was kind of, I just think I was raised that way with that kind of a work ethic. Um, you know, my parents, even though my dad was a psychologist, he always had like these little things on the side. You know, he had uh, Herman's sneaker and shoe outlet. So I think at some level he might've been you know, like a, a, like an underground entrepreneur kind of person. Um, but you know, he had his, you know, his degree to support his family and to, you know, and all of that, but he always had a little gig on the side. He for, had side some- hustles. Yeah. But back when no one talked about a brand or being an entrepreneur, none of that, none of that language existed. People had a job and whatever they did was a hobby. Otherwise people didn't have side hustles. People weren't inventors. So you were working in social work and how did you make the transition into sandwiches and why did you think sandwiches were going to be a big business or did you not? You just wanted to have a nice little cute little sandwich store and make a nice living. So I always believe that, um, you know, if you, you know, what I, I think what I learned from, you know, being in jobs that you don't like is, you know, if you could make a living doing what you love to do each and every day, then it's not work. I'm I'm obviously not the first one to say that, but you know, that's, I do live it and whether, and, and that has really nothing to do with the financial part of it. Um, You know, I had, I, I mean, I was on a food cart in downtown Boston with a master's degree and Mark had a doctorate and, you know, that's a very humbling experience. That was your husband. So Mark was, um, we had the whole gamut. He was a friend of my brother's and then we were friends. That's how I met him. So we were friends, lovers, business partners, married, divorced, still in business together. And then eventually, you know, the, the road kind of forked and, and, and we went our own ways and I started a family and I I'd like to say we had a successful divorce. And, um, and I say that all the time because it was a while before we ever even filed the papers because it got really complex with, you know, with not being together, but still owning the business together. And we really didn't have any assets. All we had was the business. We were equally committed to the business because that was kind of like our child, right? That was our our first. Wow. Okay. Well, this is a great question. And this is where we're getting into the meat of it. So um, were you careful in the beginning with him in signing everything? Or did you just say, oh, it's going to be fine? Were you 50-50 partners with someone 51, the deal breaker? Because when you, for people listening, when you start out, it's like nothing doesn't matter. Oh, it's fine. I'll get you back. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Later's when it's complicated. So did you, would you, were you smart enough? Was someone smart enough in the beginning to be organized and figure that stuff out? Not at all. And we were 50-50. So everything was 50-50, but you know, we had brought other people into the business. Okay. 
And so my brother was in the business. So, you know, we agreed on giving him a cut and then he brought a friend into the business and we agreed on giving him a cut. And then we had our CFO who really helped us get through the deal. And then, and then we really felt that you know, it was a team that built the pita chip company and that everybody should get something. And we had 300 people working there. And we felt like whether you worked there for the last month or whether you worked there throughout, like there should be like everybody should get something. And they did. And they did. And even the investment banker told us that we were crazy. Nobody gives away this kind of money. And, you know, it's unheard of. And, you know, yeah, had we had the correct structures set up and all of this, then you know, it certainly would have been easier. And, and, you know, that maybe, you know, I would have, I would do it differently today than we did then. But, you know, it was a lot of handshake deals and um, it all worked out. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's gift finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico. My accent's not the best, but I'm trying. But I know Puerto Rico well. I've been there so many times. I Be Strong has done so many missions after Hurricane Maria. It is more than just a name. It is a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. The unique Bariqua spirit infuses the island's culinary landscape with a one-of-a-kind passion and point of view unlike anywhere else. 
I love Puerto Rico. I've been there twice in the last year. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So you had 250 people. How did you manage this? How did you create this infrastructure? You're a small business. You're a startup. You don't know anything. How did you go about building this plane while flying it? Well, we had, you know, it was a nine-year window. So when we started out, it was just myself, my brother, and Mark. And then from there, Mark brought in one of his friends to work on some of the machines. And then after that, we brought in we built out the team. And a lot of times we built out the team through, I mean, I used a ton of interns. I worked with Babson. I worked with Northeastern. I walked with all the, you know, in, in here in Massachusetts, you have access to amazing universities. So we worked with a lot of them. And then a lot of those people came to work for us afterward. And in, and in building out the team, you know, I always use, I, I would always say you need, it's, it's click and tick, right? You need to find out if the person clicks you know, if you click as people and, and the people around you, and then you also have to find out what makes that person tick. Okay. So I use this example all the time. There was this one woman, she worked for Nokia and she had like a really high paying job and she was excellent. We never thought we would be able to afford her. She came to us and, um, she was at Nokia. She was not able to teach her yoga class or take her yoga class or whatever on Tuesdays on Tuesday afternoons. And we were like, and she was willing to sacrifice salary to sacrifice everything. But she was like, you know what? My one thing is that I need to have Tuesday afternoons off and other people. It's like, Oh, I have something with my kids and I have that. But as a small business and as you're growing, those are the places where you can add value to somebody's life and they can be committed to you and you can be flexible. That's amazing. That's great. And, and it's, and a lot of times what makes them tick is more important then what they're going to get paid. And you have to, and I've, I've found that we've found basically that um, giving people a window to work together is going to be able, you're going to be able to tell, they're going to be able to tell if they like you guys and if it's, they're comfortable working with us and we're, we're comfortable working with them and, you know. Okay. Well, you just brought, you just went into the machinery and stuff like that. So that costs money. You were working in a sandwich cart. Did you have a sandwich store ever after the cart? And that's where the pita chips came from. Where were you making these? You had a sandwich cart. You then let use the leftover pita to make the pita chips. That's the ultimate pivot, which is the most popular word during the pandemic. So talk to people about they're doing this one business. Sometimes you only can see one inch in front of your face and you may have to just step back, take a deep breath and figure out, how to get through the window if you can't get through the door. So now you're schlepping sandwiches and then what happens? So we originally, we bought a food cart and we put it out in downtown Boston. We had come back from Hawaii and the West coast and where it was like just, a truck or a cart, like a truck or one of those little carts. It was a cart. <laughs> there was a cart with like four wheels and we'd wheel it up the street. And then we took like, and we lifted up the awning 
And then, you know, it was a converted sausage cart that we made into almost like a deli station. And we would um, prepare the food. My sister had a catering company in downtown Boston. We would prepare the food at her location. We would bring it out to the cart in coolers, really. We would load up the cart and we would decorate it with like tomatoes. And, you know, it would look really healthy and pretty. And um, we had, you know, we had a huge line and and we served sandwiches rolled in pita bread. And like I said, out West, you can, you have easy access to food, healthy food everywhere. But, you know, this was, you know, in the nineties and you're, and it's like, there was nothing. I remember the place that was in Warren Towers that, that was in Boston on the ground floor. And they used to use like this sort of like Greek almost hummusy tahini and they would use pita and they rolled sandwiches up and it was so popular. And was it super salad? And they called it a walkabout. I don't remember what it was, but I was obsessed with it. So you wanted to do this because you your idea was healthy food on the go. That was the idea? Yes. And so we had, you know, we made all our dressings. We, you know, we made everything and um, we made sandwiches rolled in pita bread. Was this to code? Were you following rules? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, well, this business was. I've had other ones where it wasn't, but this one was. Um, but you know, this this uh so we we did prepare it in a commercial kitchen and we brought everything, you know, there. We had our 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 vendors license or you know, peddler's license or whatever you want to call it. And um and so you can run out of anything on a food cart, right? Or in any any lunch establishment, you can run out of uh, alfalfa sprouts or tomatoes or, or what have you. But if you run out of bread and you're serving roll-up sandwiches, you're you are done for the day. So we always had a fresh inventory of pita bread. Wow. And so at the end of the day, we would cut it up, we would bake it into different flavor chips, and we would serve and we would just hand them out for free to people standing Stop. in line. Whose idea was that? Do you remember? I think it was it was both of ours. I mean Mark, definitely with the recipe, I think there might have been one pita chip out there that was a fried chip and we weren't, you know, we would never do a fried chip. And so we, um, you know, Mark created the recipe and uh, we're like, what are we going to do with this bread? And that's, you know, I mean, it was simple, but, you know, then we kind of kept when you are in downtown Boston and it is October dating into October and it is cold. It's cold. And I, I don't know, it's, it's, um, you know, we didn't have Uber eats. We didn't have any kind of delivery service. We didn't have any of that, any of that around. We didn't have, um, you know, all we had for the internet was like, we had a website and email. There was no social media or anything like that. Right. Of course. So it was, a, it was a very different way to build a business as, I think a lot of the ways that businesses are built today. Right. So you were giving out, well, the guy, I think it's the guy who created Pirate's Booty. Years ago, I reached out to him and I think he said, um, put, the, put the product in the people's mouths. We don't pay for advertising. So you were doing that. So then what? Everybody online who felt like they were part of a whole thing, which sounds amazing. You created a, uh, you created a little culture. It sounds like the brand had a culture from the beginning. Even just giving out pita chips to people online because they were cold sounds is sweet and cute. And I get it. But it's like, you know, it's cold outside and you don't want to stay. You can't stay outside through the winter. So it was when it started getting really cold and we, we, that's when we started over the um, cold season we started uh, doing what we needed to do in order to market the chips. 
we, you know, we went to trade shows. We went to, um, we, we got, we developed, uh, you know, I worked on the packaging and got a bag, went, put them in a bag and got, got a place to make them. And then just walked into what was at the time bread and circus. It wasn't whole foods yet. And, you know, hi, I'm Stacy. This is my chip. These are my bag of chips. You want to try them? And how do I get into your store? And, yeah. And, and a lot of times it's like people are like, oh, how did you do that? How did you get into this war? I'm like, I just walked in and said, how do I do this? And a lot of times that is what it is like that networking and that just you got to have that bravado to just move it and do it and try it. Yeah, I like that. How did you um, navigate the deal? How did you know that you were doing the right thing? How did you know? not to stay in? How was your head exploding? I mean, how did you navigate that just with professionals? So when we were at a trade show, we were approached um, by, you know, one of the global leaders. And, you know, we said, we're really not interested in selling. And um, then when you know, and they said, well, when you get to the point where you're selling 50 million in sales, you're going to have a lot more interest and da, 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 da. So we just want to make sure that, you know, you know us and we know you and et cetera, et cetera. Then fast forward another, you know, almost a year later, we're at another trade show. We meet the same person again. And we start kind of having a conversation like being courted, I guess. And then within 90 days, we were contacted by like three more. And all of a sudden, we now have, you know, these global leaders in the food industry that are interested in our brand. And that's when we said, you know, maybe that maybe we should consider it. And we got um, we started interviewing investment bankers. And you could tell instantly when you came to the pita chip factory, there was a sign on the door that said no tie is allowed. And you could tell instantly with the people who walked in or some people are down in the lobby and they're like, oh, take off your tie, take off your tie. You know, and they're like, I'm, I'm doing and, you know, all the like, but we found a perfect match. You know, we found, um, you know, Houlihan Loki in Chicago and this one guy, Jay Novak, who just spoke our language and there wasn't a bakery in the country that he hadn't been in. And, um, and he was willing to put skin in the game with us. He was just that kind of a guy. And, you know, you, you have to find believers and he was a believer. And so, um, you know, we got an investment banker, we got an accounting team, we got a law firm. And so that when they put it up, basically put it up for sale. Well, right. Most people don't realize that sometimes you just get approached like I did um, by Beam Global. And I really did not like my investment banker. We, the, My partner brought somebody in. I didn't know anything. So fine. I didn't like him. And I think he was courting the person who was buying me to do other deals with them. And I felt scummy and slimy. And I, we did a good deal. The deal would have, that I did then would have been probably a billion dollars now based on the cases that we did, because now it's more in to have liquor brands. And we had done 360,000 cases in uh, a year. And we would have done 500,000. We didn't have the supply. So that would be definitely with bees in it now, but you know, it's funny because our COO. Okay. So she 
had worked for us at the pita chip company. We got her from, um, she was working for Quaker. Oh, okay. And we got her from Quaker. She wanted a small business experience. She was one of those people that, you know, court, you know, courted us for a long time. And we, you know, eventually we were like, we don't have the money to hire you. And finally we, we did get the money and we did hire her. And then, um, after the acquisition, cause we were purchased by Pepsi who owns everything, right? Tropicana and Quaker and Frito and all of those. So we got acquired and then she ended up back working for the company that we originally took her from. And then she went to work for Jim Beam. And so she knows she is a huge fan of yours and she met you once and she's like, she said, no, I was, she was there during your acquisition and all of that. And now she's back running the bars. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So many people don't realize that sometimes you get tapped by one person and there aren't as many people in the liquor business to buy as there are in the snack business to buy. I mean, you can be bought by Unilever, Procter & Gamble, any, you know, Frito-Lay, whoever. Yeah. So um, what sales were you do? So anyway, the point I'm trying to make to people at home is that it can be like a proactive, like, hi, we're for sale. Like you're putting your house on the market, which seems counterintuitive because to me, it's sort of like, oh, wait, I want someone to knock on my door and say, hi, we want to buy you, you know, because of all the press I get and because of the shows I do. And I always wonder, A, if I should ever sell, B, if I should sell a piece. I've talked to Mark Cuban about this. But C, you kind of sometimes have to say, hi, we're, we're, we're open for business. Even though you had people tap you, you had to get organized to know what the hell you're talking about. So how, how much in sales were you doing when you had all these people tapping you on the shoulder? And I wonder if that was also the time, like my situation, where the time was different then, and now there's so many more snack companies than then, or I, I'm just wondering about the landscape and how, what, how, what your sales were before people came. So we were at about 60 or 65 million in sales a year. Wow. Okay. And um, you... And also knowing when to hold them, when to fold them. You could have had anything happen. You could have had a lawsuit happen. You could have had a bad bag of chips. You could have had bad press. Anything could happen. And now with cancel culture, it's scary. And you just, you know, you don't know. Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. You just don't know how far to go sometimes. And so have you ever regretted selling? And have you ever regretted not staying in a little bit when you see how big the brand is? I don't know how big the brand is now. I assume huge. So I did stay for a while. But because it was part of the deal, they, they put it in the deal. You had to stay, not because you had another back end, right? Right. There was no additional buyout clause or, you know, or or, or thing like that. Um, and we had different offers for different amounts of money. And, and there was even one that was more, but it did have clauses like that. And, and we just didn't want that. And I have to tell you, be honest, Bethany, it it was a time where, you know, I had twins like yes i planned on on having on you know getting pregnant i went to uh boston ivf i got the um i i picked out a donor i um i felt like i was financially and emotionally ready to have a child and then um went for my ultrasound and and they're like okay here's a heartbeat and then then they go like this and and here's another one and I almost, you know, I started again crying and like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I planned on having one child, not two children. And I had an apartment in Boston and I had um, no parking, 110 pound dog, two tw- you know, twins on the way. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? Right. You know, you wanted to get off the ride a little bit. Didn't you want to get off? I mean, I feel that sometimes you want to get off the goddamn ride for a minute. 
I was, you know, and then, and I had the company till they were three. Right. That's still very like young. That's still, it was a lot. I mean, I had help at that point. Um, you know, I did have someone helping me with the kids and bringing them over every day, but you know, it was a lot, it was just a tremendous, it was a lot. And, um, at, at the same time, you know, Mark had never had the opportunity to do as much traveling as he wanted to do. I think he was ready to check out and I was being torn in so many directions. And we, that's why we were like, you know what, that's when we sat down and we were like, you know, I think it's, t- I think we're done. Wow. And that nine years though, for everybody, that's, you know, my, my skinny girl has been around the whole brand. I own 100% of the brand besides the the cocktails and I'm going back into wine and forever young, my new brand, but it's been around for over a decade. And so you're talking about nine years. That's a long, you know, that's a lot of pita chips, a lot of sandwiches, a lot of hard work. And do you feel like it's totally earned or do you feel like you overshot the mark? Like, do you feel like, wow, we got lucky, you know, or lucky, how much lucky, how much smart, you know? Yeah. So, um, certainly, um, timing was right. Um, but I do get a little, uh, it does kind of, well, for lack of a better way to say it, it does go up my ass sideways when people say, oh, she got lucky because they just don't understand like all of those little decisions that you have to make on a day-to-day basis that go into the business that you have to make correctly. Right, right. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico. My accent's not the best, but I'm trying. But I know Puerto Rico well. I've been there so many times. I Be Strong has done so many missions after Hurricane Maria. It is more than just a name. It is a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. The unique Bariqua spirit infuses the island's culinary landscape with a one-of-a-kind passion and point of view unlike anywhere else. I love Puerto Rico. I've been there twice in the last year. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. By the way, that, that's the best thing you've said all day. I had a girl who used to say to me, it's funny because I was in a relationship with someone who said to me, it's the only person my whole life who's ever said, you got lucky. And I wanted to punch him in the face because I was like, I, you're the fucking only person who's ever said this to me. I, there's nothing about the shit that's luck. This is all intention. And this girl that I know said to me, you make all the right moves. Now, obviously, maybe I don't make all the right moves, but I'm so, I'm playing chess at all times, always making a decision. And if it, that one goes wrong, you find that piece, you w- walk it back, you navigate it, you massage it. It's all very intentional. And that's the difference. I mean, we almost had the, in- so all that goes into, you know, all that goes into selling a company, right? And then- It could almost not happen, Every time. How long did it take? A million dollars in legal in almost a year or something? How long did it take? It took a long time. In the for sale world, it was fast. But in our world, it was not fast. You know, we kind of made it happen in less than a year, but uh, it was, I think, eight or nine months. But think about that, people. Mine was a million dollars in legal. And the day before I looked at my partner, which I'll never forget, I said to him, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do this. It's like breaking up with someone, having a baby, not having a baby. He literally, and he goes, all right, so we won't do it. A million dollars in legal. We owed the money and we almost didn't do it because I got emotional. So the point is the way you carve out every single thing that's ever going to happen is intentional. Even if you don't know contracts, you might know concepts. So Bethany, we had signed that purchase and sale, right? Sell the company. And then we had a five alarm fire. Like literally a five alarm fire. Literally. You know, we had a 300,000 square foot facility and some pita bread came off the line and went up on this cooling conveyor and it, and the bread caught on fire as it came off the line. Then the conveyor caught on fire and then it went like on the cooling conveyor, like a Christmas tree burnt right through the roof. People are in there scattering. There's a guy up on a forklift trying to fight a fire. And I mean, you, oh my God. And here we had signed the deal. And so that whole thing could have fallen apart at that point. And, you know, and um, I think at the time Mark was away and we were like, you better come home. My brother was away. You better come home. I'm standing in the parking lot. The the firefighter gave me like those big boot galoshes and I'm standing there in like with water. I think I was in shock. I think I was really in shock. I was freezing. I was shivering. My boots are in water and I'm looking around and you know what? And then people started to show up. People who worked in the factory, the woman I told you about, they all kind of came and they were like, we'll rebuild it. 
Wow. We're going to get it. And then I get a call, a phone call. Like I didn't even have a chance. I get a phone call. I'm almost crying now. Right. I get a phone call from um, Irene Rosenfeld, who was at the time running Frito. Now she runs Kraft. I get a call from Irene and she says, anything you want to tell me? Oh, like she thought she'd set your business on fire? Like I'm literally <laughs> in the parking lot as they put out this fire. And I don't know how she knew, but she's like, anything you want to tell me about? And I was just like, we will, we'll rebuild it. And then, and then my brother came and he's like, you know, and, and he, she's like, I think, I think I need to come and see it for myself. And I mean, and, and really like made like 75% of the factory was gone. You know, we had a good brand, but we kind of burnt down the factory in the middle of the sale of the company. That's insane. So, and what wasn't smoked, it wasn't like damaged from the fire was like water and smoke and, and all of this. And we still have a company to run and we have to produce fill orders. No, well that, yeah. So yeah, it was a long time, but you know what, that's when all of your networking and people kind of came together and, um, they came up, they saw, we cleaned up as best we could. They saw the factory. They saw how, you know, we kind of blocked off half of it. The Randolph firefighters were excellent and coming and, and, you know, the health department blocked off part of it. We rebuilt on the other side of it. And with like, within like, we were supposed to close in, December, beginning of December. And we ended up closing in January the following year. It was like um, four or six weeks later or something that uh, we rebuilt the factory. And and I remember my brother and, and, you know, some of the engineers from Frida, they go, "Eh, we, we've had fires too. Wow. We know what it's like. (laughs) And so they, they really were purchasing the brand. The factory's still there and we did rebuild it and they never believed that we would get it done in a month, not only a month, but it was Christmas and trying to get plumbers and electricians and, you know, people are off on vacation and stuff. So, but we took that month and we all, and we got the factory rebuilt. And my brother was saying to them, you know, not only, well, look at the bright side, not only are you going to have a factory, you're going to have a brand new factory. No, not only that, look who you invested in, what we could do. And, and, you know, we had, um, you know, luckily we had business interruption insurance. So the insurance company was on board. We got to get these people back up and running balls to the walls as fast as we can. And yeah. And so we did, we built them a new factory and they were, they said they came back in and, and, you know, they could have backed out at the deal at that time. And they came, they didn't. And they came back in and they said, wow, we're impressed. Oh, you were saying it wasn't signed yet. It was in between the time that you have an agreement, but the papers have, you didn't do that 10,000 papers in the lawyer's office. That's the interesting part of the story. Wow. It's called a, it's called a Mac, a material adverse clause, or I don't know, something like that. That's basically anything short of like a tornado or a fire. We've never had a Mac, the lawyer said. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. So it gives them the opportunity at that point they could have backed out. Right. Well, that's what I was saying to you about when pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, anything can happen. So sometimes you have to know when to hold them and when to fold them. Uh, so, so I was going to say, you have a, ve- you have a very interesting story and I'm sure that my audience doesn't know any of it. Cause I don't know any of it. I know one little line and I wasn't even right. Um, so it's going to help a lot of people because you're a single mom, two IVF kids and you were counting your change for your laundry. 
And here you are, a successful woman going back in with a new, another business, working as hard as you did before, I assume, because now you're not raising kids the same way. Uh, and I'm impressed. I think it's great. And it's a great, like you're a great role model for other people. Well, I have to, I have to ask you this. So, uh, you know, and I know that you've put out books and stuff like that, right? So they, so I was working with a publisher. They asked me, you know, to write a book and um, I didn't end up doing it because I only have another year left with my kids before they go off to college with my twins, my twin girls. And one of the reasons why we didn't do the book was because I don't have enough followers. <laughs> I'm like, they're not, and like, they're like, well, it's so much easier to write a book, I guess, if you have a gazillion followers, then I literally just started my Instagram not that long ago. And they're like, well, why don't you wait until you build up some of your social media presence and this and that. And I'm kind of like, you know, this whole social media thing. I mean, I'd love to talk to you about it sometime. No, we could. It sucks. I hate it more than anything. It's like a, it's like a blessing and a curse. You know, I don't want to expose myself personally all out there, but at the same time, if I don't expose myself personally all out there, then how am I going to get more than my thousand followers? I hate it more than anything. Just so you know, I really do. I hate it. I'm getting better at it because I pay some attention to it. And you obviously have to hire people just like you're making Peter chips to help you with it, but it has to be true to who you are. It sounds like you're passionate about building be bold. So my, in my instinct is that your book should be called be bold and you should really be building building that as the platform versus necessarily you. you can't build both at the same time. So I think a book be bold by Stacey Madison and you're building that brand. It just would be hard to build your own social and that, and you're trying to build that as a business anyway. So hire, you know, the right person to help you build that social and then write the book with that brand. I think it'd be like, if you would write it, if you started kind bar, I'd tell yeah. you to write a book called be kind. You know what I'm saying about the about the building of a brand, you know, because what you did with Stacey's pita chips was be bold. So you're accomplishing many different things at the same time. But if you want, I have a marketplace. Yeah. And we started like a month and a half ago and we already just because of my juice cleansing uh, got 8000 hits on one thing and you could contribute. We have be partners so we could have you be a partner and build up your following because we promote these people on social. So it's great for you. Thank you. And I hear you're, and so now you're in Massachusetts. So that's awesome. And I can help you with the book stuff, but yeah, build up to, to 10, 15, 000, you know, but everything isn't about social media. It's almost canceling itself out. There are people that have 30 million followers on TikTok that, you know, not everyone cares about in every other space, to be honest. Like, so some of it's bullshit. Something will happen to me on Twitter. I'll think I've been canceled and I'll be in the mainstream space and nobody even knows what the hell happened. So, you know, yes, social media is hugely important. We all get it. But it's like there are people way less successful than me, way, um, that have way more followers than me. So whatever that means. I should have way more followers, but I don't have time yeah. to take thong bikini pictures all day. I'm work, running a fucking business. You know what I mean? I could go outside, put the tassels on my titties and take pictures and get some followers, but I got to run this goddamn business. So <laughs> I, I just think you're amazing. Awesome. Thanks, Stacy. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Bye. So that was Stacy Madison, the founder of Stacy's Pita Chips. That was very different and interesting because truthfully, if I met her at a coffee shop or at a spin class or just in a shop, I would just think she was sort of just like a cool, pretty, uh, down-to-earth mom, like a suburban mom. This suburban mom 
sold her pita chip company, which was leftover pita bread from a sandwich cart for $250 million in 2006. That was 15 years ago, okay? That, I'm not great at this, but that would probably be three fifty-four, five $500 million. You know, no, not that much, but it would be a lot more now. So good for her. Great wisdom, advice. It was different. It's just good for you if you're a mom and you're just, you're home and you just think it couldn't be you. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't know enough about business. You don't know enough about contracts. You didn't go to college. You didn't go to business school. Who cares? She came together with her family and she provided good ingredients. She was passionate about it. She started from the bottom. Um, She had a degree and yet she really started from the bottom. Like me, I used to schlep I used to stay up 24 hours in a row and deliver cookies in my $500 Bronco with a cracked windshield. And I was exhausted and I would do it every week over and over again. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was exhausting. But, you know, people who are successful really started off working hard. So this is a mom who was passionate and just made it happen with decisions, hard work, passion, drive, and determination. Great conversation, great inspiration if you are a mom at home just wanting to be a business person because you probably already are a business person. Just Be is hosted and executive produced by me, Bethany Frankel. Just Be is a production of Be Real Productions and iHeartRadio. Our managing producer is Fiona Smith and our producer is Stephanie Stender. Our EP is Morgan Lavoie. To catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be With Bethany. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like, you feel like you've really gone somewhere far, and you don't need a passport, which, honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
it. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.